0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to this lovely day. We are here back at the podcast for Opportunity Knox for episode number. Corey, insert number here. <laughs> I got yelled at the other day for talking about episode numbers because we have not been posting them in chronological order. So I wanted to give my good man Corey Stewart the opportunity to insert number here. <laughs> Uh, we've been on a little bit of a break. We've had some traveling, things going on, and we have not produced, but we've got uh, five or six episodes that have been uploaded already to Spotify, Instagram, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and I just want to take this opportunity to thank everybody up front. We've actually had in a tremendous amount of downloads, which is somewhat frightening to me, how the hell people are paying attention to what we're doing, but obviously somebody out there likes what we're doing, and we appreciate it. Keep chiming in. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. So today, they're all special, but there's something special about today's guest. Uh, we had the opportunity to meet back in 2017 in, what, what'd you say it was, October, May? October. October. Yeah. Um, as many of you have heard me say, I'm somewhat of a slow learner. Sometimes I got to do things twice. <laughs> so I had the opportunity to go back to VaynerMedia for their, for their very exclusive 4Ds program for a second time. I was part of the second ever Session that they did, they were still working out the kinks. Didn't finish up everything that they had promised, uh, and one of the one of the modules of the day was of a major importance to me. They didn't get to, so I reached out to Tyler Schmidt and I reached out to um, uh, to Gary and to several others at the company, and I said, "Hey, let me come back and do this other session." And they worked out a deal with me, and it took a couple months to get in, but I had the opportunity to go do a full day again at Four Ds. And if if you are an entrepreneur, a creative, a marketer, um, it, it's a big nut, I got to be honest with you, but it was worth every penny and then some. First and foremost, the content that they provided was absolutely mind-blowing. But I think more important than that was the relationships that we've developed with the other attendees in the room and the people behind the curtain at VaynerMedia. Um, like I was just saying a uh, few minutes ago before we started to record, I actually spent 25 minutes on the phone one-on-one with DRock last night. And David is one of the most humble, giving, caring people I've ever met. Uh, and the relationships I've built through that have been absolutely outstanding and mind-blowing to me. So without any further ado, I want to introduce my friend who literally sat right across the table from me at 4D's number two for me, yeah. Cell Watts. So, thank you so much for coming in and joining us to do this today. I appreciate you hopping on a train, coming out here to the middle of Long Island from your wonderful New York City world that you live in uh one of half half of the world that you live in yeah cell is actually one of these people who commutes between australia and new york she's kind of crazy and that's part of what i love about her
1: yeah so don't complain about your commute
0: hell no i listen i live four minutes away from here (laughs) i'm good with it i was the first one here today and i was running to make sure i was the first one here today so thank you so much for coming in and doing this today it's it's uh I've been looking forward to this since we started talking about it, so it's so welcome. Mm.
1: Oh, me too. Thank you so much. I'm very privileged, and I was actually saying on the train out here that um, it means so much to me the community from 4ds. Yep. And you know that 4ds is really the reason that I relocated from Australia to I, New York.
0: Yep, I remember you saying that.
1: Yeah, so it, it was um, it was a it was a game changer for me doing coming over from Australia, and doing that one day, and uh, yeah, changed my life.
0: Yeah. So you were at the time that we met, you were living in Australia full time.
1: Yeah. And I was I was coming to New York, you know, two for two or three weeks, maybe three or four times a year. Okay. Because I found it so inspiring. And I just love the vibe and I wanted to be there, but I really had no reason to be. Okay. That just
0: answered my next question. Yeah.
1: People would say, why are you working over there? What are you doing there? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just sort of being inspired. And then when the, when I saw 4Ds, I was like, I'm going to go to this. And then that was.
0: You actually had a reason to be in New York.
1: Yeah. And then, and then I went for the personal branding session. And I think it's really important if you do choose to go to 4Ds to know why you're going and what you're going for.
0: I I think that personal branding part of it is probably the biggest lead in for them. Most people look at it, but I, I couldn't agree with you more going in with a game plan. Yeah. And we, we talked about this briefly on a prior episode where we said, when you, you know, I was a conference junkie for years, I would go four or five, six different conferences a year. And I try to absorb everything and realized I'm just exhausted mm. at the end of the year and came home with one or two things if I was lucky. Mm. And now I go into everything along those lines saying, there's three things I'm looking to accomplish. So a little, a little in comparison to some of the others, this rinky dink 800 person uh, conference that happened for uh, Border board of realtors here on Long Island two weeks ago. I went in and said, here's my goal. One, I wanna reconnect with at least two people who I've lost touch with, who are in the industry. Two, I wanna meet two people who I've been looking forward to meeting that I know I'm gonna be there. And three was to take one piece of information, actionable information home. And before lunch, I had accomplished all three of those. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where when the day ended, I literally flew out the door. I was done. I didn't want anything else.
1: Well, that's that's uh, setting an intention. But yeah. one of my other tips for conferences, because I love a conference and I and I got conference burnout where I was like, mm-hmm. this is, but I think setting the intention and I always, depending on the length of the conference, but if it's pretty intense, I always block out another day at the end and I use that day to go back over my notes, reflect right. and, and actually write an action plan so I do yep. something with it because otherwise you leave and you go straight back into the office the next day and it ends up being a complete waste of yeah. your time because you have all these ideas that you're going to do all this stuff. And then and you
0: have all this noise going on in your head at the same time.
1: Yeah, so I, I always do that. But what happened <coughs> after 4D, so I allocated my day after. Um, but then at the end of the day at 4D, Ds, I had – a more detailed conversation with the personal branding team. And then I was able to be invited back the next day to have an even more detailed conversation about okay. personal branding, what it meant, what the opportunities were for me. And then two months later, I brought all my kids back in from Australia to come into Vayner. They were so good to them. They were feeding them cereal and just being fantastic to to talk again. And that's when my family said, Mom, you know what? You need to be in New York. If you're going to do this, you need to be where it's all happening, where you have access to the people.
0: Did the family have an inkling about the fact that you wanted to be here or did they notice it and tell you that you should be here?
1: So they knew because I kept coming and visiting for a couple of weeks here and there, but then when they came over with me in December and we went into Vayner and I, I, t- I could show them what I meant about the opportunities, I remember we walked out of – into Hudson Yards, and they were like, "Mum, you need to come here because if you want to chase this dream, you've got to be here. We've got to do this." And and um, they're not here yet. And this has been like a family project of okay. me coming, seeing what I can create, and then getting them over. Which they're on on their way in February, which I can't wait. Terrific. Okay
0: the school the school year in Australia runs different than here. It doesn't than it does here in the US. Or no, no,
1: it's complete. Everything's completely different. Okay, so Everything. you don't
0: get our summer break. You get more of a,
1: So So our summer's in December, January.
0: So when they come here in February, they'll technically be, if they were back home, they'd be starting the next, the next grade up.
1: Yes. Okay. So they're joining
0: the middle of a school year here. So you got a lot of challenges ahead of you, but.
1: You know, there's so many (coughs) challenges in relocating. Well, one, starting an international business here has been super, super challenging. And one, I mean, just alone, not having a network, but then not understanding the laws and um, and the costs, so the exchange the rate cost, yeah. is, you know, yeah. so funding funding yourself from Australia here with the exchange rate and then with the kids, the whole thing has just been this mammoth experience that at times has very nearly broken me. Um, but I've always been one to be really clear on what the ultimate mission is and that, um, I think, you know, my, my life, um, motto is no plan B. And so it's like, just keep finding another way, find another way. But there are times when I've, you know, broken down on the subway going, I can see why people don't do this.
0: It, It happens. And listen, you're trying, so you go from the gold coast in Australia where you have successful businesses back there already, correct? Yes. And you're taking part of one of those businesses, bringing it to New York. So you literally are covering the entire globe one side to the other yeah um it, it's 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 been fascinating to watch you from a distance doing this back and forth and I say to myself I hate getting on a plane to go to Florida let alone halfway around the world and back
1: yeah
0: um and yeah. juggling a family at home and and but what really excites me for you is is hearing how the kids especially were the ones who kind of inspired you to do this and encouraged you to do it that's a, that says something special about who you are as a parent.
1: you know this is this is really important because obviously, I have a lot of people look at the way that I'm living, which is very unconventional and it and not and often pushes people's buttons. and so I often you know get. You know, I get a lot, a lot of judgment, a lot of, a of lot course. of questions. Um, Thank you for your opinion. I didn't ask. It, yeah. yeah. And, and you look, there are people that are genuinely just interested in logistically how it all works and how I manage it all. And then there are others that are just, you know, don't, you know, want to judge. And and I get that like it, it from afar and from the little bit you might see on social media. I mean, it's a lot on social media, but it's still only a very small percentage of my real life.
0: And we have to touch on some things there too.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah you know they it, it, but it's very interesting cuz my my whole view this whole everything i'm doing is driven by the fact that what i want to teach my kids and the and i always thought if there was only one thing that i could teach them if i only had the opportunity to teach them one thing what would it be and i thought about that really hard and thought you know what i just I want them to chase their dreams. No matter what it is they want to do, no matter how unlikely it is for them to achieve it, no matter how hard it is, I just want them to go for it. And then I realized that I'm absolutely no one to tell them to do that if I'm too scared to do it myself. And so I thought, you know, rather than telling them the the message that I want to tell them, I need to show them. You need and- to live it. I need to live it and say, you know what, I want you guys to chase your dreams. This is what it looks like. It's sacrifice and it's gut wrenching, but you know, it's exhilarating. And at the end of the day, I'm a mom and I'm a business owner and I'm a friend and I'm a daughter and I'm all those things, but I'm me first. And you know, I need to live that and show them how to live their life fully. And that's, that's my role. And I've always looked at it that way. And so the kids are they're my biggest cheerleaders. They mm-hmm. think I'm a rock star. Every time they do a project on their most inspiring person, it's me. And I think, you know what? They're so grounded. And I, what I want to show people is that just because it doesn't look like the norm doesn't mean it can't be highly functional.
0: Well, who defines what normal is? You know, what, what right do people have to define what normal should be for anybody else?
1: And for them, this is normal.
0: You know, exactly.
1: and this is normal. And, um, and like they say to me, my, uh, they say things, you know, like mum is so random and who knows what she's going to do next. Mm-hmm. And, but it's this crazy ride that they, um, you know, that they're, they're on and yeah. it's, um, you know, it's all good stuff. You know, I, I don't have time to focus on anything that, that doesn't matter. Right. You know? if, it,
0: if it's not going to make have a positive impact, does it really make sense to exactly. spend any, exert any energy paying attention to and
1: it? And I don't have enough, you know, I don't have enough time to be doing things that don't matter. So every second with them and every opportunity I have to teach them something, I do it intentionally. And from from whether that be a text message or um, in the middle of the night when I'm thinking about them or on our FaceTimes or when I'm back and traveling and bringing them here, uh, it's, you know, my goal is to bring them in, to help raise them to be Incredible human beings, and that's what they're being.
0: Yeah, and you do, and that in turn makes you quite the incredible human being as well. And it's it's that philosophy that I've always had, where I said, you know, my goal in life is to be a good leader. The only way I can be the only way I can be a good leader is to help put other people in position to be great leaders. Yeah, and that's why I that's why I refer back to you know the little green guy on the desk here, Yoda. It's it's about being the guide. It, it, it's never about being the hero of the story for me. It's always about being the guide in someone else's process. That's where I become the hero to myself, mm. uh, and, and and that's always resonated with me. And, and and it is why when I started working on some of my businesses, I've always said I don't need the spotlight. You know, and and I tell the story a lot lately because we've recently rebranded the comp the real estate company, from Miller Realty Group of Long Island, which is very generic and extremely long to just. Dean Miller Real Estate. Mm. And I had a friend ask me, came right out and said, "Exactly why did you change the name to that as opposed to all these other random ideas that we had?" And we talked about talked about putting guidance in the name, putting hospitality in the name, all things that I feel are important. And I said, at the end of the day, when people look at a company and things go right, all that credit goes to the person they're closest to. And in the real estate industry, that's typically the agent or the salesperson which is my, my team of people here. They get all the credit for doing things right. But when things go wrong, they need to know who to look for. Yep. And no disrespect to the major corporate names, but there is no Mr. Remax or Mr. Century 21. There was a Mr. Caldwell and a Mr. Banker, but they're long gone. Um, but here it's when things go wrong, that's the guy I need to talk to. Yeah. And I, I'm good with that because I've always looked at every business venture I've ever had to say, I'm responsible for any failure any yep. negative that happens with the company. Totally. That's one of my biggest roles as the entrepreneur and the visionary and the owner. Um, but the success belongs to the people who are in the field doing the work, getting dirty. Not to say that I don't, you know, to use a, a, a Gary Vee metaphor, not to say that I don't live in the dirt mm. or, and only in the clouds. I'm down there with the, with, the, with the best of them. I'd love telling the story that when I owned the restaurant, when the sewer main and the building backed up, It wasn't my responsibility to fix it, but that sewer main ran through my basement. And if we didn't fix it immediately, we would have had raw sewage coming up where we store all our food. So guess who got shoulder deep in a sewer main to unclog it? It It's probably the most disgusting thing I've ever had to do in my life. But you know what? You do what you have to do. And I left and went home and showered and bleach for about three days. Yeah. But you do what you do what you have to do.
1: Yeah. And I think that's I think it's really important. I was doing some training with my Australian team the other night about energy management and time management and just giving them techniques on how to manage their day better and be more effective. And I said to them, you know, because because none of them I started that business 12 years ago. None of them were there when I started. And I said to them, you know, you you don't realize, but I did all of your jobs, you know, and I did them all together on my own. Yep. You know, I changed the photocopy toner, and I, I I created all the things, and so they they don't know see that because now they just see the things that I do now. But it's important to understand that, like, I, at any point. At Right at this moment, I can go in and I can do any one of right. those jobs.
0: You may and not, I'm more than happy to do it if I need to. You may not be able to do it as well as they can now because exactly. they have the, the repetition and the routine. But that was that it, it's easy to refer back to the restaurant because there are so many different skills that are required for it. But I could go behind a bar and make a drink. I can't make four of them. I can't you know, it's going to take me the time that it would take you to make four. I, I'm going to make one. But I can do it. I can read the instructions. The only place I refused to go to was the kitchen, because unless I was in there to clean dishes or or prep and do other, but plating and actually cooking the food, I could not do that and provide a quality product. Mm-hmm. So I, I always tell people that was the one place where I'm not allowed to be. It's too risky. Because, because it, listen, I'd rather have the doors shut than me put a garbage product on a plate. We can't do it today, you know. And we had days where we did that. I, I learned to shuck oysters, stab myself more than enough time, <laughs> Fortunately, never disabled myself, and I had two guys who did that. Wow! Uh, but you know, you've you've got to you've got to be willing to do anything, mm. uh, and I think that's part of the joy of being an entrepreneur.
1: Well, you know, that's one of the things that I mean. I've, I speak a lot about my concerns around the glamorization of entrepreneurship yep. now, that particularly that we have social media and everybody wanting to be an entrepreneur and thinking that. What they're seeing from a successful entrepreneur and what they, where they spend their time is what the job is. And what they don't realise is one, all the behind the scenes stuff, but right. all the stuff you do for the first 10, 20 years. And- that's not glamorous, and and there's, there's, you know they don't see sexy that. About it. There's nothing sexy about it, and there's nothing sexy about being awake all night worrying about your cash flow or your staff yep. or how you're going to keep the doors open, yep. um, and all the all the decision fatigue around should I keep doing this? No one believes in me, or everyone thinks I'm crazy. Uh, all of those things, you know, you're not filming that and showing that on a private jet. It's not, right. and and I and it worries me that people, young people in particular are getting this really warped sense of what it is. And and I don't think entrepreneurship is for everyone.
0: No, it's not.
1: I think, um, it is only for certain types of people and which is totally fine, but I think we need to have more transparency in conversations about the reality of what a, what a real day yeah. actually looks like, yep. because I can tell you, you know, if I, if I, for example, on my social media, it's, you know, what, three minutes of my day? Yeah. You know, they don't see uh, and, the rest.
0: It's why people like yourself and, and me have taken the leap of faith to follow a guy who does it all too often. And it's part of what that conversation I had with David last night was about was, you know, a lot of my day, if you were to sit there and just watch it through the window, is boring as hell. Totally. To watch. Yeah. But what's happening between my years and when I'm working and I'm silent and I'm on that computer and I'm creating, it's You know, entrepreneurship, I struggled with the word for years. I always referred to myself as a small business owner. I looked at entrepreneur and said, that's someone who took a small business and became successful. But who defines success? So I looked at it and I've been yelled at by a lot of people who said to me, you are an entrepreneur. This is who you are. It's not just what you do, it's who you are. You've always got your hands in a thousand different things. You're taste testing everywhere you can go. Embrace it and own it. And I've finally started to embrace it to some extent because I look at, All my businesses, I mean, you've got three different companies you're talking about here as well. And I look at everything I've dabbled in. And yes, real estate drives the revenue for most of my organizations. But I look at it almost to say, hey, I'm Dean Miller Incorporated. Mm. Within that, I own Dean Miller Real Estate. I own Opportunity Knox Podcast. I own Daily Dean Vlog. I, I've got a, 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 an equity stake in a company called Pure Placid. I was an investor in technology companies. And like a fool, I owned a restaurant for three years. I ran a restaurant for two and a half, three years. What the hell was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. But it was It was that you ever read The E Myth by Michael Gerber?
1: It was the very first book I, I read when I started. I in live business.
0: in a state of entrepreneurial seizures, I think, but they trigger, and sometimes you shake the tree, something good's going to fall out.
1: I really think that anyone starting a business needs to read that as their I very couldn't first agree book more. because it really helps you define whether you are a practitioner as we would yep. call it in my field or whether you are the entrepreneur and and I have a lot of people come to me that that want to build a consulting firm like I did and the difference is is the reason I was able to scale is because I didn't I didn't do the much of the work at the beginning all I wanted to do was grow a business I didn't want to be a people management consultant myself I am one and I, and I do that well, but all I ever wanted to do was build businesses. So, so when so you pre-
0: didn't want to manage the people that you were consulting. No, you did, what you didn't d- want to manage the people that were doing the consulting. You wanted to manage the people. You wanted to run the operation.
1: So what I wanted to do was I wanted to build a business. And I saw a niche in, in helping small to medium businesses with their people. Okay. And in Australia, we call that HR. Here, HR is defined a little bit differently, but basically, it's to help them with everything relating to people recruiting them, firing them, making them perform, team building, succession planning, everything to do with building a team. And so, I saw a niche that wasn't that small businesses didn't have, they couldn't hire an internal person because. It was too expensive and there was no need and they couldn't look after their people themselves because they're business owners. And so I I saw this niche. Now, in the first five years, I could have made a lot more money had I focused on me just doing most of the work. But rather than- From top to bottom. From top to bottom. And so I hired staff, but I could have built myself out- for a lot more hours. and But I decided that I wanted to grow a business. So I went without the money for five years and hired more and more staff. So I was only billable for for a small amount of time. Now, what that meant long-term was I was able to scale a service business. Now, people that come to me and I say, do you want to be a business owner or do you want to be an accountant or do you want to be a HR professional? And they're like, well, I want to be a HR professional. It's like, well, great, but you'll only ever earn this much money and you'll only have to have this many people. Right.
0: There's a, there's, there's a box that you yeah, can really get and out, out of. As it's
1: either just- is fine. It's about, but having clarity around why are you doing it? Do you, are you, are you making yourself a job? Or are you an entrepreneur that sees right. an opportunity in the market? And I hadn't, I had, wasn't degree qualified in that area. I hadn't worked in that area for many years. I just saw an opportunity.
0: Were you not qualified or did you just have that limiting belief that you were not qualified?
1: Well, I dropped out of college or university in Australia three times. So I right. didn't have any qualifications. So we got something
0: else in common. Put it <laughs> I dropped out six times. I still have zero credits to
1: my name. You do take longer to learn. At least after three times I went, I don't think I learned this way. Well, I, I th-
0: I'll take the hit for that because like I said, I have to be accountable, but, but I think subconsciously I was doing it because I know how much uh, college education was important to my dad and I wanted to make him happy. And I finally got to the point where I said, I just can't do this. It's, it's taking away from my time going out and making money and running my, I owned a, I owned a mobile DJ business at the time when I was, when I was in college and wherever I went to college, the equipment went with me and I dropped out within weeks because I got gigs that were paying me more than money. it was costing to go to school.
1: And do you know what's interesting So for the first five years of my business, I I never told anyone that I didn't have any qualifications. So if a client asked, I would say, I'd never lie, but I would say my staff have got these qualifications and this is where they completed their university degree or here it's college. And, but I, but I, I hadn't done that. So it was, I just kept it on the down low, never talked about it. And then when the business hit about five years, because it was like a credibility issue.
0: So was it a personal fear or or did you know that if these people didn't know your track record? There was definitely a
1: risk. There was a definite risk because we're in professional services. And so I had to keep, I didn't mention that. And then when we got to about five years and the business had, um, and myself had earned the credibility, then it became the story. And so then it was, and I remember the very first time that I actually vocally said to an audience, I don't have any qualifications. And it was sort of like, what? How have you built a professional services firm and you haven't been a uni- been to university? And now it's like, it's a very important message to say, do you know what? Just because you don't follow what everyone else does, or just because they say that this is the only way to do it, isn't it's true. Anymore. And it was the same with the whole story of starting the business, that it was the start of the global financial crisis. I had no money. I hadn't hadn't finished university. I hadn't been in the industry for very long. I'd never managed staff. I had a three month old baby. I had nothing going for me. But you had a
0: wild vision.
1: I had a vision and I had um, bucket loads of naivety. So I was just like, I'm going to take, I'm going to build a global business. And I did not think for one second, all those things I didn't have were a problem. I didn't even consider them. It wasn't until I started being a speaker about my story five, seven years later that I went, wow, I really had nothing going for me. But I just blocked out the noise and I went, this is where I'm going and that's but what I did. But at the
0: same time you had that self-awareness that that was something that you had going for you that not many people ever get.
1: Yes, and I had done, and I still to this day have invested enormous amounts in personal development, coaches and conferences and courses and mm-hmm. podcasts and reading. Like, I've done that for a really long time. And so I was very clear that if I created a vision and I believed in myself and I blocked out the noise and I never looked at competitors and I was very particular about who I listened to because I had people telling me all the time, you're, you're never going to be able to do it. Every time I got pregnant, I've got the three boys, every time I got pregnant, people would say, oh, are you closing the business now? I like no. no one believed in me, but because of the personal development I'd done, I recognized that have a vision, block out the noise, believe in yourself and just keep going and keep getting up and every obstacle, just find another way. And that's, that was my education. And really in the end, that was, that was all I needed. And it's, and still what I use to to this day on this adventure.
0: That's fantastic. So let's, let's get a little bit into the tech blend. Talk about, you know, you talked about HR, your human resources type company. Tell us what, tell me a little bit about what's next as a company.
1: Yeah. So the main mission of what's next is to create great workplaces. And what that means to me is that, and and workplaces, great workplaces is different for every type of industry. But ultimately I believe that when someone goes to work, if that workplace is a great place to work in relevant to that industry, that when they leave, they're going to go out and have a better life. They're going to have a better relationship with their spouse. They're going. They're more likely to get involved in the community. They're more likely to be um, healthy, and that has a ripple effect on the world. Mm-hmm. S- same as the opposite. If they have a work for a shitty workplace, they're more likely to go home and snap at their partner, and lie on the couch, and not go and kick the footy with their kids. And that has a ripple effect. And so I believe that. And this, I I came up with this mission in my spare bedroom when I started the business, and I was like, if I could create. as many great workplaces around the world, the individuals within those small businesses would then go out and do great things in their life that make make them happy and and that would create a ripple effect. And that would be my way to change the world. And I remember sharing and my team, I talk about vision, mission, values all the time, but I remember one particular time sharing with my team the mission and how We can change the world. And she and one girl said to me, You think this little business in Brisbane, Australia, with, you know, 10 staff can change the world? And I was like, yeah, because it just takes one person. It It just takes one person to do something positive today that has a ripple effect. And if we are going to workplaces and we can impact however many staff and they go out, then that's important work. And so now the work that we do could be anything from giving someone clarity around what their role is, um, giving their manager uh, training on how to lead properly, exiting someone that just isn't isn't working out. It doesn't matter. And then obviously there's all the things around getting regular feedback and proper training and having a culture that's inspiring. So, and I only work with small to medium businesses because I strongly believe that small business owners are the ones that change the world. I we are the core of the economy. Could not agree more. And we get no support from the government and we are actually the main core of our, our economy Yep. and with no support. Yep. And so I only – and people have said to me, why don't you go and work for the big corporate? You could make so much more money. I'm like, no, 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 the small business owners, they are our, they are our DNA. Like they are the ones that are putting their houses on the line and their kids' education on the line uh, for, for a dream or, or the difference they want to make. And so that's the. And
0: I, I think to take that in a slightly different direction, I think that mindset of the money is not the driving factor is becoming a societal change. You're starting to see a little bit more and more. um you know, the Gen X and the me generation, which is much closer to, to me in age, is very different mentally than the millennials and the, the up and coming Gen Z. In that while I think everyone has their philanthropic focuses mm. uh, and their charitable focuses, what drives so many more people that I'm seeing, which makes me happy, isn't the gross dollar volume that you're earning every year. It's where can I make a difference? Where can I have an impact? That's why you, people hear me say it all the time. I don't get out of bed in the morning to make a dollar. I get out of bed in the morning to make a difference. The dollars that I need will find me when I do that well. And, and, and that works for me. So I, I love hearing that there's not that dependency on that six and seven figure salary. You know, you, listen, you, you, can't, you probably can't live here on Long Island making $50,000 a year and be the slightest bit comfortable. But there's probably a way to pull it off. One of the most expensive places in the country. But at the same time, you could probably do something that makes you really happy and you can survive here. And is the happiness going to drive you or is the money going to define what makes, what you know, define happiness for you?
1: Well, I think that, you know, we've had a lot of people along the time, one of our divisions is in recruitment. And, you know, we'd have candidates come and apply for a job and, and then they'd get the job and then they'd they'd resign and their current employer would offer them more money. And I've had this conversation so many times and said, when you came to me and said you wanted to leave your employer, you didn't say it was because you weren't earning enough money. You said that there wasn't good leadership or whatever, and now you're going to stay. The money will maybe make you happy for the next three months, but the same issue is still going to be there and you're still going to be happy in three months' time um, with that extra money. But I also, when I look back over my journey, Because I'm so mission driven, but there have been times when I have been influenced and become more money focused. And when I look back, those were the times when I did my worst. So when I became focused on actually, I now need to hit this target, especially when, because I went for many, many, many years with nothing. So I was living in a really crappy house and I had a crappy car and I had little children and I didn't buy one thing for myself and I you know I really invested every single cent back into the business. And then it, you know, got some success and I started to um, reward myself. And one of my coaches said, you know what, Cell, you really need to get a decent house. You know, make your life easy. You really need to get a nanny or a cleaner or go and buy those shoes. You know, reward yourself. And that was a very, that was very important because it had got to the point where I was just like, just keep flogging yourself. And and that wasn't helpful, but then what happened was then I'd created a life. Then over time, I then created a lifestyle that I needed to maintain. Okay. And I would go to work with a, instead of a I want to change the world, I want to create the ripple effect, I want to create great workplaces. It was like I've got to now. Pro- I've now got to pay for all these things that I have that I have built myself, and I, they were all paid for myself. But then I had suddenly had to had to.
0: You changed your minimum acceptable standard.
1: Exactly, and I had to hit the targets and so I noticed that when that happened, my mind shift happened and the the struggle became different. And so and, and I think I think most business owners actually need to go through this. It's like there's a great quote about um, you don't need fame and money to be happy, but everyone wants to find that out for themselves. Right. you know so yep. like I think you know we we've got to go through that uh, that stage of our lives where we're like I've had nothing and now I've now I can have those things or I can buy that in my world, that handbag. And now, you know, I don't need to buy the handbag. Like I've done it and it was great. But, you know, I realized it actually doesn't make any difference to your life. But I noticed that my performance of me and my business changed when it became about money. And that's when I realized that, oh my gosh, you know, be mission oriented, do what makes you happy. It's not going to be great all the time. It's not meant to be, but really the money will come or whatever it is you need to survive right. and do what you need to do will come if you put that aside. And I think we are, as you said, hearing more and more about that now um, through great influencers like Gary, mm-hmm. who, you know, who really pushed that yeah. and people, you know, like D rock who did so much work for free and all of those things. I mean, we, especially our young generation need to see more and more of that. Yeah. Um, and actually our older generation probably need to see it even more.
0: I, you know, it, again yet another very repetitive conversation you'll never hear me bashing the millennials ever because a i and i will use the exact words that i've used all too often i know more 50 plus year old schmucks than i do 25 to 35 year old schmucks me too that number one number two I don't think anyone has the right to beat up a generation, especially when it's the generation who raised those exactly. kids. So you should look in the mirror once in a while. And again, it goes back to, why would you name the company after yourself? Because it forces me to look in the mirror. Yeah. I say every day, I have the greatest boss in the world and he's the biggest jackass ever. <laughs> I get to look at him every morning when I'm shaving. You know, And, and it, it works for me. You know, yeah, that's totally. what drives me. And I tell people all the time, you need to, you need to have that morning meeting with your boss every day. Get up and go brush your teeth and have that meeting. Mm. because that's who you, 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 know, it's not about, you know, I I love Gary's philosophy because I've always believed it. I, none of these people work for me. I work for every single one of them. And I've got to work to not only keep them here, but to keep them at the highest possible standard to do and accomplish what my bigger vision is of the company. That's my role, you know, and I don't feel bad when I say, Hey, it's your job. To paint the wall and your job to vacuum the floor and your guy to go running back and forth to the bank and your job, your job to do this, that, and the other thing. And it's my job to sit here and envision how you're going to do it. It's my job to sit here and figure out how to make you, how to put you in a position to do it better Mm -hmm. so that you can make more money. We can make more money. We can get more done. We can have a bigger impact. Our company's mission is to have a positive impact on 10,000 families in 10 years. That's, but everyone says, oh, you're out of your mind. You're going to sell 10,000 houses. I said, I I never said that. No, that's not. We're amazing. gonna have a positive impact. So 2019 will will have an impact. We'll have a direct impact financially on about four. I think it's 47 or 49 families. Uh, but we'll have an indirect impact on 74. Wow. I was doing the math the other day, and I said, and and I've shaken hands with every one of these people. You know, in some way, shape, or form. Mm. And I I love that about. Taking that vision, making it so big. And I love all the naysayers. Nothing drives me more than oh, yeah. spite and people yeah. telling me you can't do it. My, my daughter who sat at, at this table and, and she grew up in a house where anything is possible and you're not allowed to use the word can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love when people tell me you can't do something because yeah. I have one of two answers. Get the hell out of my way and watch. Or you're right. You can't do this. Yeah. But I can. Now get the hell out of my way.
1: Do you know something interesting about that is I'm 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 absolutely driven by that. And I think because from day one of starting my business, I was told that you are not going to be able to do this because no. I didn't look anything like someone who could be successful in what I said I wanted to do. So I understand why it didn't look possible, but I was really driven. It was that I'll show you, I'll show yeah. you. And what ha- an interesting thing occurred um, around about two years ago in that I started to feel like I was losing my mojo like I just didn't have the I was I just felt a bit flat and I couldn't work out what was why what had what had died I felt like a spark had gone out somewhere and then I realized that because of the things that I'd done no one had was saying to me anymore you can't or you won't be able to do that so everything I said oh, I'm going to go to New York or I'm going to do this I'd be like oh if anyone can do it you can sell. or oh yeah you'll nail it and I'm thinking this is so fucking hard. Like I felt like everyone was like, yeah, yeah, well, of course you will. And no one was appreciating the fact that this was a massive, massive challenge. And then I realised that, oh my gosh, no one's telling me I can't. And that's the spark that was missing. And I realised then like, whoa, that was a big driver for me. That was a big driver having that, um, I'll show you. And in the end I went, you know what? I don't need other people. I need to say to myself, I'll show you. Every time I have that self-doubt, every time I, you know, fall apart on the subway because I'm missing the kids or I get knocked back again, or I, you know, this whole challenge, I just have to say to myself now, I'll show you.
0: I'll show you. And and sometimes, you you know, and you have to say it to the outside world. And just as importantly, you have to say it to with the, the, you know, the voices between your ears. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very powerful feeling when you can, uh, when you can um, establish that order of importance and acceptance for yourself. I mean, some people need that validation from outsiders. Other people have got to learn that, that they only need it from themselves. Um, you know, and we don't want to be that, that hellraiser that just fights with everyone. It says, please tell me I'm wrong. Please tell me I'm wrong. So I can get that motivation because that's yeah. fraud. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. but I, I I love listening to this to to your interpretation of this and getting a, a clear understanding as to how things work between your ears um,
1: yeah and look you know I spend an enormous amount of time trying to get my keep my mind fit and um the last 18 months have been incredibly challenging because of the situation I've put myself in and but the the mental strength of I and resilience that I thought that I had before which i did have, but what I've had to really draw upon in the last 18 months, and there's been some pretty dark times Mm and very alone because, you know, I haven't had the distraction that I would if I, you know, had the kids around me or whatever. Um, so, so I've put so much focus on my mental strength and really trying to understand, um, how's my mind ticking these days? What's working? What isn't? How do I control that? What are the messages I now need to say to myself? Because they're different to what I needed to say to myself 10 years ago. And I think that if that's been the the most important challenge for me is to keep my head right. And, um, and also, do you know, the thing, the other thing is, is that what's important to me now compared to 12 years when I started is different. You know, like I've got, when I started, I had one three month old baby. I've now got three sons that are 12, 10 and six, you know, that, that, that is completely different. Um, Your
0: why changes as they.
1: Yeah. And like the things that I really strive for before don't mean so much to me now. Um, I'm much more interested in the adventure of the journey the the people I can connect with and learn from trying new things. Um, I don't necessarily I was never overly materialistic, but certainly I had a lot of materialistic goals. Now they're not. Uh, it's not so much about that. It's more about the experiences I can have, mm-hmm. um, the conversations that I can have, how I can stretch my learning, and go, wow! I just I didn't yeah. even know anything about that. So what's important is different, and what's important for me personally, just in you know my everyday life of what keeps me calm. I mean, like before, I was adrenaline you know, always adrenaline rushing. Now it's, it's much more of a focus for me to try and keep calm with, because I know I can focus much better. Um, and that's not something that I'm very good at. So I'm, you know, I think I say to people now when they're in their, you know, first three years of business, it's like, what matters to you right now, isn't going to be the same in, in right. 10 years or seven years, you know, so just enjoy what you're doing, have your goals, smash them and whatever, but realize that it's really, it's, None of it means anything. You know, don't attach. You've got to enjoy the process. Yeah, don't attach everything to, you know, your business goals. Cause I did. I mean, it was, I lived and breathed it 24 seven. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that because I love that time. But I think it's important to understand that there's seasons, you know, your life is in seasons. And people say to me, so what, you know, what are you doing right now? It's like, it's a season right now. I'm exploring this crazy thing and it's it's a good way to
0: look at it. I never thought about that.
1: And then, you know, who knows in five years time, it could be completely different. And I think this also helps with, I've never had an attachment to failure. I really, I just don't get that whole failure thing. And I think it's because I look at everything as an experience, as a season. And, you know, if tomorrow I decided that I didn't want to be in business anymore, and I wanted to go and get a job doing something or other. You know, so be it. Like, who cares? It was what, your choice. It was my choice. What does it, What does it matter? Does that mean that I that I that all of everything I've done is a failure? Of course not. Yeah. You know, everything is just more and more. You're adding more and more to who you are well, and why, what you can give. You know,
0: why? Why is failure looked at by so many as a negative
1: thing? I mean, well, it, it has. It has to be to do with the education yeah. system okay. because we and and it just. To me it doesn't make any sense. Like I ca- I cannot get my head around the fact that we are still talking about this. It's yeah. so it's so pointless and it's like every experience you have, good, bad or otherwise, is an experience that is ta- adding to you, adding to who you are and what you can give to the world. So I, 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 could, I,
0: yeah. I could go on a rant about the education system for hours. <laughs> yes, me too. Uh, <laughs> I'll 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 touch on it a little bit, but it was it was triggered with me years ago the first time I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki.
1: Fantastic book. And
0: point. and I what what really drove me nuts and it I think that's just what really brought it to the forefront for me. It was always something that was in my head. I never I always hated the past fail. Why is there a number? Why can you go to two different schools and pass fails, two different numbers? I, I was the victim of that, where 74 failed me in my, in my first year of high school, and I had to move on to a different school, which was a win because I didn't want to be there in the first place in that particular school. But when the state says it's 65, why could that school say it's 75? And the whole pass-fail concept drives me nuts. The education system is designed even more so today with the changes in how government's gotten involved with it to teach children how to memorize and completely stifles all creativity. And it infuriates me to hear all these schools and these government politicians running around saying, Oh, we got to get more people involved in STEM, STEM, STEM and creativity. Mm. Well, you're the jackasses that took it away from them. And yeah. and now you're going to blame other people, but I'll digress. I just wanted to make that point.
1: <laughs> yeah. And look, we get asked a lot because we, in our, in the HR people performance business, we talk about future of work a lot and, yeah. and the work, how the workforce is, changing and, and how as leaders, we need to adapt for the future of work. And it was interesting because I say, like, I'm always being asked about the future of work. I'm like, you know what? It's not actually changing. Yeah. We have co-working spaces now and like there's less, less offices and everyone works in one room, but ultimately until our education system changes, our workforces aren't going to change. So people still go to school from nine till five or nine till three. Um, Uh, and that, that, that is not changing. So our workforces aren't changing, but that, that significantly. And I say to my kids all the time. And and in fact, when I go to the parent teacher interviews, my, my youngest is in grade one and she sat down and she went through and she said to me, oh yes, you know, his math is, you know, average and you know, he'll get an, he'll get an average job and he'll be good. You know, he'll have a good life. And I said, excuse, excuse, well, firstly, excuse me, he's six years old. But secondly, I was like, I'm not the slightest to be interested in this math and spelling. Tell me, is he kind right. and is he a good person, a good person and how's person. his friends? And I, oh, like, oh, I've never been asked that. And I'm like, that's all I care about. Like I don't, this is, this education system is so ridiculous and it's not setting them up for the careers that they're going to do. So just tell me, is he is he kind and, and caring and interacting and will he get up and dance and sing when you're doing that? And those are the things that matter.
0: That's what, you know, it's, it's for as you say that, I was going to look it up, but I, I don't want to distract them. There's a quote, there's a famous quote by John Lennon, that talks about something like that. And, and yeah. I, I can't remember it, but I'll, I'll find it it's and put it a, in the notes.
1: Um, write down, write down what um, what you want to be when you grow up. And, and he said, "I want to be happy." And she said, "That's not you. You got the uh, you got the you exercise. Did, you, you didn't, didn't answer the question. You didn't understand
0: <laughs> the question or something like that." And, <laughs> and yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, it's a great it, one. It's
0: absolutely brilliant, and and that's totally. the way, you know happy is, is that that should be the only thing we all aspire to be is, is to be happy and to help someone else be happy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of live by that, that motto that says every day of my life, I want to get up and find something to laugh at and someone to laugh at. And all too often that's someone to laugh at is myself. <laughs> and I'm very comfortable with that. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing how, how little things can have such a major impact. Uh, And I, yeah, that's a cool conversation. We could go on for, for days and days and days.
1: Did you want to talk about um, social media?
0: I, okay. So you know what? (laughs) We've covered what's next. We've covered who you are. I want to take a half a step back. You talked about um, that aloneness and focusing on mental strength. Yes. Walk me through the press. Someone who not only has done it, I would. It, at least from the outside, looking in successfully for yourself, you're helping other people get there. And after we do that, then I want to dive into the social media world and let's see, mm-hmm. because you you did something recently that absolutely freaked me out. And I think I might understand why after studying it for two days, but let, let's go back into that. You talked about aloneness and focusing on mental strength. Mm-hmm. Walk me through that process for you or for the people that, that you consult.
1: Yeah. So I think being in business, choosing that path is a really lonely path. And I I don't think that's talked about enough. So if we if we talk about entrepreneurship or even anyone starting their side hustle or or just starting a small business, no one talks to them about you realize this is lonely because your friends and your parents will not understand the sacrifices that you're prepared to make. You know, I'm a prepared to not go out with my friends tonight so that I can work. On my financial model, or I'm prepared to, um, like in my instance, I'm prepared to travel away from my children to build something that I think can make a, a massive impact. People don't understand that, and sometimes, what well, I know in my in my world, um, sometimes it's not just it's just not worth trying to explain it. Okay, and I think that that can be that can create quite a lot of, a lot of loneliness because you feel like no one gets it, no one gets why you're doing it, and they don't get it. And, and that's actually okay. So I think, um, I think we underestimate the, uh, mental health issues in entrepreneurship yep. um, because, because you're alone, but because you're, you're also putting yourself and your family in enormous amount of risk. So I know that my family, uh, are on a ride where at times they must feel incre- like the ride's out of control. Now my profile is that I don't have really any aversion to risk, but that's because Dean, I never had anything when I was growing up. So everything I've built, I built from nothing. So when that happens, you know that you—it's like you know the bird is never afraid that the that the branch is going to break because it trusts in its wings, right? Right. So you're sort of like you know what if it doesn't work out, you know I'll I'll be okay. I'll What's be the worst to, that could happen? Yeah, just, end up where I started. Yeah, exactly. Whereas when you've relied on other people. You you don't have that that confidence or that that comfort with risk as much. I personally think. Okay. And so, so I know that you know those people around me and even my my staff. You know, I'm constantly sort of experimenting and doing different things, and um, you know, risk risking their their environment or their workplace to try different things. Um, and I think that that's just that's my nature. But I've got to be really aware of impact it has on other other people.
0: And that and that's what I wanted to so not to diminish the story where you came from and where you're going and how you got there. Let's talk specific and I'm going to dive into and make you do a consulting session real real quick we'll just touch on the surface. How do you get that person who didn't start at the bottom who came from comfort or some level of means to move up that ladder? Because all too often I run into people who they're looking at this in, in the real estate sector where I just want to, I had a woman call me a couple of weeks ago that I know from high school and she says, I'm really thinking about getting my real estate license and woman does not have to work. And, and again, this is not a sexual thing, you know, a sexist thing. Her husband makes a really good living and they've decided she doesn't have to work and she has everything and all, all the bells and whistles life can offer, but she's also not a greedy person. And she called me up one day and we were joking around and she says, as a result of my life, I have Gucci money. I don't want for anything, but there are days where I want Chanel money. And I don't feel comfortable asking him to contribute to that because it's personal to me. I found that absolutely fascinating yeah. because she said just this little step up and listen, you go from Gucci to Chanel, there could be an extra zero in it and depending on what you're looking at, <laughs> you're talking about buying. Um, but You know, how, how do you get someone like that to say, okay, I need to develop the mental strength to go that next level because falling down and being in the gutter is Mm -hmm. just not an option for them. It's their reality.
1: Yes. It's so interesting that that this um, topic, because actually I did a talk once um, on adversity and I talked about the fact that when I grew up, I didn't have a very good childhood. There was domestic violence and alcoholism and, and that. And I was sharing about the fact that the adversity in my life has actually been the the best gift. And that my biggest concern from my children is that they don't have any adversity. Their life is just awesome. And so how do I teach them grit and resilience when at the moment they don't really need to build it? I, I had to, to protect myself. Anyway, so I did this talk on how adversity was really critical for me and I'm very grateful for that and how without it, I'm not sure that I would have achieved what I would achieve. And anyway this woman came up to me afterwards after the talk and she said I had a really bad childhood too and I said oh I'm you know I'm really sorry to hear that and she said yeah my parents gave me everything I never had anything to worry about I was safe I could have anything I want and I was sort of like you know a bit taken aback and she said yeah and so then when my husband got sick with cancer I fell to pieces and I couldn't be there for him because I'd never have been taught how to handle handle life and how everything had been taken care of for me. And I was like, this is really interesting that she classified her life or her childhood the same as mine in that I had a bad childhood, if you like. Um, But anyway, that was a side point. I thought, wow, you know, that's really interesting. But in relation.
0: Perspective is reality. It
1: is. And you know what? She's absolutely right. And I'm really aware of this with my kids and really trying to get them to really understand how lucky they are. And it's really hard to do that. You know, it's really hard to say to someone, you know, like it's like it's like someone saying that that gets sick and then says to someone else, you know, you should really appreciate your life. Yeah, I mean it's it's really hard to do it when you haven't been faced with that. And so, but in relation to your uh, the lady that you're talking about, I think the biggest thing is is to find whatever your mission or whatever your driver is. And if her driver is literally Chanel over the Gucci, like, why does that matter? How will it make her feel now? To other people, they might think that that's really materialistic, but it doesn't matter if it's whatever is important to her, and she needs to really, really connect to that because the reason why you've got to have your mission mainly is because on those days when you want to give up, on the day when she goes, Oh, god, I could be going and getting my nails done today and having lunch with my friends, and I'm working or I have to get up, and on those days. She's got to be able, and we have, all of us have those days. She's got to be able to connect to what, the her why and whatever her why is, and there's no judgment about what that is, whatever her driver is, she needs to be really specific on what that is so that on those days when she doesn't want to get up or when she'd prefer to go out to lunch with the girls, she goes, nope, I'm going to go to work and I'm going to sell a house or whatever it may be.
0: So in reality, every human being really should read Simon Sinek's book oh. and master it.
1: I think so. I or mean, obsess
0: I, about it. You can't master it, but yeah, I think you can obsess about it.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think, um, I, I think, and, and also not attach yourself to it because, as I said before, with your life being in sea or the way I look at my life is in seasons, I know that what's important to me now is going to be different at different times. And it's totally okay to be driven by something and then go, oh, you know what? That doesn't float my boat anymore. And that's fine. You know, find whatever your thing is, that's going to be your tool. That's going to get you up. And I remember in the first three years of building my business and having the little, having the little kids. And I remember I'd have these breakdowns on the bathroom floor where I'd be in the fetal position crying saying, I can't do this. It was just, you know, I was just giving my all. And um, I remember my husband at the time saying to me, you know, you can give up at any time. Like whenever you're ready to give up on your dream, like, you know, we're here for you. And I was like, you bastard, I'm that, not going to Like as, he knew as, exactly what he was saying. I
0: heard you say that, I got angry for
1: you. Yeah. I was like, because and he knew that. He knew that was the thing that was going to get me off the floor was to say, when you're ready to give up on yeah. your dream, we're here for you. And I'm like, I am not giving up on my fucking dream. Get out of my way. I'm going back to work.
0: I'm so happy that you're using more four letter words than me today. Oh, so I'm, right. I'm so grateful <laughs> and appreciative of that because normally it's my thing and I'm like, I'm I'm going to tone it down just a little, just a little bit. And you're dropping f-bombs left and right. And I can't thank you enough for it. (laughs)
1: Sometimes you just need to, you know, like sometimes it just.
0: It's that passion that comes out and it's, it's not meant as vile or vulgar. It's just passionate. And, And, you know, those who are going to get to actually see the video of this, you'll, you'll see the look and, you know, watch for that look in, in, in (laughs) face because you could just see that. The, those daggers come flying out uh, because it's passion. It's not harmful.
1: And look, you know, I can, I can remember that moment when I was lying on the floor, like literally on the bathroom floor in the fetal position, just going, I can't do this anymore. And I've had, especially in this last year in New York, I have had absolute bathroom floor moments where I have been in the corner of the bathroom, you know, t- tucked up, just crying my eyes out, going, I can't, How can, what am I doing? How can yeah. I can't do this. But then now, and I've done a lot of, and when we talk about, the mental strength. I've done a lot of work on understanding emotion and feeling and, and realizing that this is just a feeling right now. It's not going to last and don't try and push it away. Like just like be in it. And I've had times where I've gone and walked, you know, I felt so down because I've been missing the kids or I've, you know, just haven't make aren't making the progress that I would like. And I've thought, you know, my immediate feeling is, okay, I need to get, get this feeling away. So what, What can I do to distract myself, get on social media, go out for a drink, you know, whatever. And then what I've now learned is, no, 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 like really feel it. So I have then gone walking down the streets of Manhattan and put the most like sad, heart wrenching music on in my ears and just felt it and cried my eyes out or sat in the bathroom floor and just felt it. Just let it happen. Yeah. Because it's real. And yes, I do feel this and I am struggling and I am heartbroken right now. And I don't believe in myself, but it's a feeling and it's all good. It's meant to be this way. And then I come out the other end and it's like a purge rather than the problem that we have in our society where it's like, you can't feel anything. So take some drugs, drink some alcohol, do whatever, whatever can, you can do to distract yourself from feeling anything. I've really gone, I need to feel this because how I'm feeling is totally normal and okay, yeah. because what I'm putting myself through or what the challenge I'm on is enormous. So that's been, that's been a massive part of my personal development in the last 12 months is, is really trying to not, not shy away from how I'm feeling
0: just accept it. it's funny. as as Sucks, you were go- as you were going through that that rant and I appreciate it that's one of my favorite words. I'm, I'm sitting here and I write down I wrote down why do I put myself in this position versus I can't do this anymore uh, but then you really expanded on it so much more so I, I appreciate you going going deep with that because that is um, you know the head stuff is always something that I'd love to to learn more about where other people's head stuff is, how they got there, what they do to adapt and overcome with
1: and you know what? This is something that's really important for people to know. It's not at those times I'm not taking a selfie on the bathroom floor right. and writing about it. You know, I, like <laughs> that's this you know, is the but, but
0: you know what? Maybe it would be a better world if we did.
1: Yeah, you know what? Absolutely, but but if I was doing that, would I be fully engaged in my own moment?
0: Understood. No and, and that's that's the narcissistic way to look at it. You're the way you but But what, yes, I know wouldn't exactly what Would not the value saying? be better to the world outside of us? If oh. that selfie was being taken by someone else, unbeknownst to us. Yes. How's that for a better way to put it? Do you
1: know what? Absolutely. I mean, the stuff that is, uh, that people message me about, it's like, oh, you know, I, I wish you could see. Yeah. You know, I wish you could see that it, the reality. Um, and, you know, I think we are getting better at that. These sorts of conversations, you know, vlogging and all of those things, we are getting, we're getting better at it, but we've got a long way to go. Yeah.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. All right. Let's, let's pause and take a deep breath. And circle back around and kind of go for, let's see, we've been at this for a little over an hour now. Oh. Is, is that All right. After a quick break, we are back. So let's uh, recently um, you read a blog post by our mutual friend, Nick Diodato, who's the, the guy who runs for all intents and purposes, runs the four D's program now at VaynerMedia. Um, and he wrote a blog post and you took it to heart. And Corey and I was sitting here one day and we were talking about, we put an app on, our, on my phone to track our social media activity and where we're getting our followers from and our likes and our comments. Um, and it shows who unfollows you. And I'm sitting there on my phone and the minute, it literally happened within seconds. You unfollowed me and we were talking about you. And I'm like, <laughs> I got to find out what this is all about. I figured maybe it was an app or some kind of thing you were doing to help build your audience. Uh, and Corey pointed out to me, pointed it out to me, uh, what you did and, and you actually wrote a piece on it as well. You recently have unfollowed every single person on, did you do it on all your accounts or just on the main business account?
1: So I just did it on my Instagram account.
0: Okay. But you unfollowed everybody.
1: Yeah. It took tell- me five days because Insta kept uh, blocking me.
0: Oh, because you were doing it so fast. Yeah. And so and then, I gotcha.
1: yeah, I had to, I kept getting, tell out. me,
0: you know, share with me what Nick wrote. Your interpretation of it, what made you decide to act on that?
1: Yeah. Well, it was interesting. So uh, I think Ed and I were having a conversation at Vayner like a few months ago. And we, we started having this conversation about the fact that, do you think that you'd put different content out if your close friends and family weren't following you? And I was like, I definitely would. I know that there's certain times that I put content. I put something, and I think, oh, my best friend in, you know, somewhere in Australia is going to think this is so wanky, or, um, you know. And I think, but that that's not who I'm trying to actually engage. Like, I'm not, I'm not putting content out. My, my content is not to connect my, you know, family with this is what's happening. Like, I'm, I'm specifically trying to share my journey and inspire people to, uh put the the society's norms aside and chase your dreams and those sorts of things. And so I do that through my social media. So I I was like, you know, we, we having this conversation about maybe the best way to be more creative and really go for it in our, in our content would be to actually block our friends and family. Anyway, we didn't do that. We were just sort of talking about that. So that was sort of like just this one conversation. Anyway, I, I'd started to notice in the last few weeks or so, maybe even a bit longer, that I was losing I felt like I was losing my creativity around my content. It wasn't coming to me as easily i I wasn't as active, and i but I was absolutely scrolling more, and i'm I don't really spend a lot of time. I never used to spend a lot of time just scrolling. I so would,
0: you were consuming more stuff.
1: I was definitely consuming more than I was. As opposed
0: to publishing more of your own. Yeah. And I don't want to say creating because we're both come from that documental create world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And okay. there's some things that I create, which are, you know, posts of like, I've, I've learned this message today and I want to share that. So anyway, this was sort of like in the subconscious for me. Then Nick wrote a blog and he unfollowed. I think he did it across everything actually. But anyway, he, he wrote a blog saying that he went through the stage of looking at, you know, how many followers you have compared to how many you follow. And I know that there was a thing about if you have lots of followers and you don't follow many, that that's cool. That didn't really resonate with me, but he talked about how his, his, he'd become, his consumption of his content had changed and it wasn't really working for him and how he'd unfollowed everyone. And I was like, Oh, huh, whoa, that's big. Like, that's big to unfollow everyone. Yeah. It,
0: and, listen, it rattled me when yeah, I saw that you did it. And-, and
1: I, and I kept thinking about it for days and I was like, would I have the guts to do that? What does it actually mean? Why would I do that? And I really thought I was really thinking about it. And then I started to think about the fact that, yeah, I'm just scrolling at the moment. And I'm, and also I noticed that a lot of stuff that was coming up through my feed was actually not very good for me mentally. Um, and, I I wasn't really receiving the right things for what, for what I need right now.
0: For your own personal state of mind.
1: Yes. For my own personal state of mind. There was, there was too much stuff that wasn't good for me compared to the stuff that is good for me. Okay, And, but it was Nick's blog that made me start to really think about this um, intentionally. And so then I started to think, I don't, I want to, I'm a creator and I'm a producer and I want to share uh, through social and I want to get, my inspiration and the education that I need, but I don't want this. I've never been into social for just like my numb, you know, just to not because I don't have anything else to do. But I was noticed that I was starting to do that. And so I thought, I'm going to do this and I'm just going to see, and I love a personal experiment. And so I'm just going to do this and see. And so I started the whole, I'm going to unfollow everyone. And then Insta kept, Insta kept blocking me. And so, what occurred through the process of actually trying to do this? So I went right. I'm going to unfollow everyone. I wrote my blog, and then I was about to publish it, and then I and then I it blocked me. So I I'd, I'd unfollowed. I don't know however many, and so then it took me five days to f- finally get my um, it down to zero followers. I had five more to go, and it blocked me for twenty four hours. I was just <laughs> like, oh my god! But but. When I started, I just went down the list. So I didn't even look at any, I just went da, 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 everybody. And, and then I was like, oh my God, this is going to be back and forth for like I'm going to be stop start. So then I started to choose. In the last probably 48 hours, I thought, because I started to look at my feed and nothing good was nothing interesting was coming up. And then I started to notice how often I was referring to my phone and to my Instagram. So I'd be in the middle of working when i was focused and i'd be checking my feed and so i became really aware because i wasn't getting what i wanted and then i noticed that i'd unfollowed the people that i wanted would want to see
0: that you that you saw value in
1: that i saw value in and so then i was like this is this whole thing is just really interesting and then i was quite curious to see how would people feel When, if they saw that I had unfollowed them, like, would they take that personally? Would they see that as I'm not interested in your content?
0: Because you didn't, you didn't start this experiment by making an announcement about it. You just did it.
1: I did it. And then I did it. And then I took a photo of the fact that had zero follows and, and, and posted it with the blog to say, this is what I've done. And the last sentence pretty much was to say, I'm really interested to see now, who do I miss? Who do I not miss? So who do I choose to follow, Mm -hmm. and what happens with my my content? How does it? Am I re inspired? Am I reignited? And and this whole further concept of how do we control the noise? You know, there's so much noise. How do we control the the volume, and how do we control the quality? And so I think this is a much broader. And I think about this a lot, just in the sense of living in Manhattan. You know, the noise alone, but Looking at wow, this I was mind-numbingly scrolling. So why am I doing that? What am I trying to get away from? Like, where's my mental right. state if I'm doing that? What is stuff that's coming into my brain that I would, shouldn't shouldn't be coming into my brain and that I don't need right now? And um, and where is my creativity gone? So so already so this happened so two days ago, and I've only followed like, the first two people I followed was my two elder sons.
0: I'm sure they appreciate that.
1: Yep. And I had to like request, request it because they've
0: got their private accounts. And then
1: one of them, I was like, um, by the way, could you just please accept my request?
0: (laughs) It was a victory for them. Mom (laughs) doesn't see what we do. Now we have, we've got the the key to the gate.
1: (laughs) The other day I did get a, I woke up to a message from my middle son saying, can you please um, get permission from me before you post photos of me on Instagram? And I was like, oh, what did I post? It was just, and he said, oh, the one where we were mucking around at this thing. And I said, what? what do you want to be? Do you want to be boring? And I was like, he said, a lot of my friends follow you. I'm like, Well, I'm sorry, Mr. 10 year old, right. but I'm not going to change my feed. It's not like I said, now I'm going to find one of you in the bath and I'm going to make that like yeah. my number one. I
0: still have the, I still have the, so year, years ago I was, and, I, and I'll, we'll talk, touch on it a little bit later, but I had created a list of goals that I wanted to accomplish probably um, somewhere around 17, 18 years ago. And I still have it to this day. It's, it's, About a quarter of it's crossed out because I I achieved the goals, but I had all sorts of weird ones. And I was I was a big, big poker player for a long time. Um, And I used to read all the poker magazines and I would travel to play poker all the time. And when my youngest daughter um, (laughs) was about a year and a half, I have a picture of her with her crazy curly hair, sitting on the toilet, reading poker player magazine. (laughs) And I tell her all the time and she, she smiled as I was doing it. I said, I'm going to save that one for the most inopportune moment of your life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) When she's a Broadway star. That's exactly (laughs) it.
0: Right. Your name's up in lights and Hey, remember who, remember who, you you know, love them or hate them. Bill Cosby had a line. Uh, In one of his shows, it says, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. And that's always resonated with me. (laughs) So I I apologize. So continue, please.
1: Yeah. So I think, look, you know, there's so much talk these days about, you know, how bad social media is and blah, blah, blah. And I, I'm a big supporter of social media. It has enabled me to build relationships I yep. never would have been able to build. It's given me the opportunity to learn things, connect, keep connected with um, with my friends, particularly with my children. They they are experiencing this journey of mine because they can watch it through social yep. media. Um, there's so many things that I love about it. And, and for me, it's never been I've never. It's never been a negative thing because I haven't allowed it to. Because my view is, it's for those that feel that it's really negative. It's exactly the same as if you know. For some people, alcohol is really negative because it controls them. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. So alcohol doesn't control me. I choose if I want to have a drink or not, and you know whatever. Same with social media. If but I understand that for some people, it,
0: it can become an addiction. It can
1: become addiction, and and you have to work on that. But in this, was really about the fact that I more so than anything that I felt that there's stuff going into my brain and my creativity has significantly reduced. My, my spark had started to dim through social. And so that's why I did it. And I thought once I had posted my blog, I'd taken the photo of the zero follows that I would get straight back into like following, you know, the key people or the people that I'm close to, um, that I like consuming their content. And I've sort of just gone, Oh yeah, I'm I'm okay right I'm now. Good. And so I I literally look on my phone and I look at two posts and it's like you're up to date now. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, so now what do I do? Oh, I might create something, I might share something. Wow, I
0: have time again.
1: Yeah, and I want to share something. So it's like I want to add to this rather than just take from it. And uh so only a few days in, and I but I do think this is a this experiment is actually just an just the beginning of something a much yeah much bigger learning uh, I, yeah
0: yeah it, it it's borderline terrifying, <laughs> but at the same time, I completely get where you're coming from, and in listening to you, talk about how the lack of noise now is giving you that time for that opportunity to be creative again and say, why did I start doing this in the beginning?
1: yeah, um, what do I want to share right now because I could sit there and keep looking or I could add to it because there's yeah. nothing to look at. So I'm then like, oh, I want to add whatever I want to add. And, and that's why I'm there to, I'm on it. I want to give through my experience, you know, that's very important to me. And so I wasn't giving. Yeah.
0: It's, I, I had a similar, a similar yet very different experience a couple of years back when politics in this country completely got out of control. And this is not a political conversation, but I found I was spending a lot of time on Facebook back then. Uh, And the noise, the noise wasn't noise. It was, it was true anger and hostility. And it, it bordered on hatred from some people.
1: Yeah, yelling out. It
0: really helped me clean up my Facebook feed and followers very quickly. Mm. Um, And it wasn't that I unfollowed everybody who leaned one direction and doubled down on, it was, You know, whether you were from the left or the right, because I don't believe this country has parties anymore. It's either you're one or the other. You can't be a Republican or a Democrat. Um, That's my political take. And I'll stop there. But whether you supported one candidate or the other, the winner or the loser, the hatred that was stemming from people, whether I agreed with their position or disagreed with it or fell somewhere in the middle, really helped me say, today, boom, you're all gone. Mm. If you can't be respectful enough to people, would you do that face-to-face with people? Well, yeah. in some people's cases, they would. Yeah. And I respect them for that. But to have that kind of hatred, those those keyboard cowboys, as we used to call them in the restaurant mm-hmm. business, mm-hmm. the ones who would have a reasonably me- reasonable meal and they'd go sit in their closet in their underwear and write a bad Yelp review because yeah. they just didn't get a free drink. I want to smack those people. Uh, <laughs> but, but again, I digress. Um, <laughs> but that really helped and and I look at what you did and you you Nick inspired you both to take such an extreme view on it that it it's triggered a lot of thought. I I almost wish we weren't doing this today. I would I'd love to circle back around in 4 weeks and say I'll stalk you and I'll look and I'll say okay what what is she doing? what is she creating? and then have the conversation with you and say tell me what impact it's had on your business, you personally you know, everything, because when you look at the freedom that you're going to have with mm-hmm. that additional time, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do to maximize that time? Or what are you going to choose to not do with it?
1: Yeah, I think, the, and, and I'm really interested too. And and as I said before, I'm, I love an experiment, yeah. you know, a personal experiment, a workplace ex- experiment. And I think that for me, the, uh, the ability to have space to create, and I mean that in the sense of ideas opportunities, things that I could do with my businesses or other businesses or relationships or things that I could offer, that comes from having what I call white space. And we fill our lives up so we don't allow ourselves to have any white space. And that white space is actually where the magic happens.
0: I've got a 10 foot by five foot whiteboard rolled up in there that I'm putting on the wall because I've always believed in that. It goes back to stories I've heard about Walt Disney, I've never verified him, that he literally had a room that was just white. And he would go in there and think, and that's where the creativity would come from. I love, I love the thought.
1: I do that when I meditate is go into a yep. room that's white with, and, and, and even I'm wearing white and I just find that it's a, it, it that clean slate of that anything is possible. And I, I really believe that anything is possible at any, at any moment in your life, right at this moment, there's something, something is possible right now that wasn't, you know, five minutes ago but if you don't create that white space to allow it to grow or allow the seedling to come up then it's not going to right so i you know we are people that want to do more and want to take on that thing and want to go to that conference and we we want to do more 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 and i don't want to change that but i don't want to do it at the at the detriment of the space that's going to create the real magic that i could potentially contribute to the world.
0: So that's going to lead to the question I just wrote down, which is either going to be a great open-ended question or a very black and white answer. Do you see yourself as a creative or do you see yourself as someone who needs to create?
1: Well, this is an interesting question because I would never have thought of myself as, as creative because when I was at school, I wasn't the creatives were considered people who were good at art or Mm -hmm. that sort of thing um but i would say that i'm incredibly um creative in my thinking around opportunities and and that is um myself life other people businesses i see that i feel like i think like a cre- like a a creative in in that sense and that that nothing has to stick Nothing has to come together, nothing has to make sense. There doesn't have to be a clear path. I don't need any of that structure.
0: So you don't feel a need to create. You look at <clears throat> you look creation as opportunity.
1: Yeah, and I can't help but be that way. Okay. So I just it I can't help but see the world the way that I do and to me there's no, and I often say this to coaches, like, I wish that I could just, you know, want to go down this path that's already been forged and that it's just, you know, why do I create my, why do I make my life somewhat of a, such a struggle? But it's because I feel like I'm here to really explore me, everything that becomes in, in front of me. And there just isn't any I've, I've always hated rules and it's not to say that I was this rebellious kid, but I, I, and I, I now live very much without, you know, opposite to the rules. And I, I really can't cope with having the rules. I really see that just, you know, live. Limitations. Yeah. I can't, I can't cope with that. And when anyone sort of, and I guess that's why my, my vlog is called the unconventional life and why I'm constantly pushing people to say, you know what, if you just took all the rules away what would you really do what would you really want to do because one of the things when i that i used to go around and ask people all the time was if you could do any job in the whole world or have any career in the whole world what would it be and i asked this to i've asked this to hundreds of people over the years and no one has ever said anything that wouldn't have been possible for them right. so hard yes <laughs> a lot of sacrifice hard work whatever anything worth
0: having is worth working for
1: but nobody said something that like they literally could not have done. And I think, what, why aren't we living? Why aren't we just living how we want to live at any moment in time? You know, we, not not to the detriment of others, obviously. You know, we don't want to be hurting other people. Right, you have
0: responsibilities yeah. and obligations. Yeah, I
1: mean, I'm not talking about that. I mean, we, that's sort of, you know, the foundations. But, um, and I think this is the when you ask about the creativity I wouldn't have considered myself creative because I wouldn't have thought that looking at life like that and living like that is creative, but it's incredibly creative because anything could happen tomorrow. Anything's possible. Yeah. And I could, and I could literally do a complete U-turn tomorrow. And I didn't even know that.
0: We, we're definitely going to circle back around to this experiment of yours in a couple weeks, whether it's over the phone or face to face again, because I think I think we need to study that a little bit. And, you know, Corey and I were talking, I would love to get into the office in the city and it's part of what we're working on and bring the studio with us uh, mobile and, and have the conversations with with Corey and Jason and whoever else is around from that, 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 that. I hate to use the phrase inner circle, but from, from that, that the 40s family. world. Yeah. That, you know, that, that family mm. um, and, and have the conversations and I've invited DRock and he says, listen, if I'm in New York, I'm more than happy to pop in, but I can't promise you an hour of my time. Um, and I respect that, but I would love to sit down and and hear Nick's take on it uh, versus yours and, and, how you interpreted his thought uh, and how you both had a, what the outcome was for each of you, not necessarily in that it's it's black and white a win loss or what it did, but what, What opportunities, what chances, what scenarios were created as a result of you doing this?
1: Yeah. And I think if I was to predict something now, I think it will have absolutely nothing to do with unfollowing people on Instagram. It wouldn't surprise (laughs) me This slightest is This is so much more of a, what am I really, what am I really trying to do here?
0: Who who are you really? What are you trying to accomplish? And it goes back to what's your why? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So, um. Let's talk about the state of social, what you're doing. I mean, we're, we're both considered narcissists by many people because of the fact that we've got three guys with cameras around us today and there's only two of us here, uh, but but we know better. Uh, we understand the reason why we're doing it. Tell me what you're working on. I mean, you, you have your blog, The Unconventional Life. Mm-hmm. Um, you have pretty decent size following on your Instagram account and you're putting content out there to bring value to other people. But give me an overview of what social media, what you're doing with it, what your intentions are, what you're looking to have happen as a result of it.
1: Yeah. There's, there's probably two elements. So firstly, back about six years ago, the, my business in Australia, what's next, we decided to implement a social media strategy. And at that point, no, you know, it was, not very common. And we went down a Twitter strategy for our consulting firm. And especially in the space of HR or people management consulting, no one was doing that. And we were a very small team and we didn't hire anyone externally. And we just started following people and engaging on Twitter. And we ended up building this global brand, which actually blew my mind. And it created a number of things. So one was, we went to a conference, uh, the largest HR conference in the world is here every year in in America. There's only five locations in the US that can house the amount of people. They get 20, 30,000 people. And we turned up, little team from Australia, and we had these t-shirts on with our Twitter handles and, you know, and we had people lining up to want to meet us because they had been engaging with us or following us on Twitter. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? And I thought, whoa, this social media thing is like pretty
0: So so you saw the follower count go up, but you had no idea what kind of impact you were having. Oh,
1: totally. And and it wasn't until we went there and people were like fanning us and they literally were lining up. And this is a HR conference. Like we're not talking rock stars. You know, this is not. And I was like, Whoa. And so that happened. Then we had a situation where one of our junior employees um, happened to be engaging on Twitter as per, because all the staff have social media KPIs. They have to tweet a certain amount of times a day. They have to all write a blog um, a certain amount of times a month. They have to do LinkedIn, a whole lot of stuff. So big KPIs around social media. And one of our junior team members connected with someone, was engaging with them, which we then went went on to win as a $100,000 client. And then I went, whoa, we just won a $100,000 client because one of our junior employees was tweeting. And I thought, oh, my gosh, now this changes the game because no more sales teams, no more only these high-level people can get clients. It just opened my eyes. And then we started to have more and more things like those two things happen. And we had not spent any money other than the time of the team. So we had Twitter time. We called it Twitter time. but right. We did all social media twice twice a week together and then they had their KPIs and we implemented that. And then I started doing talks on what we'd implemented because we knew nothing about social. We had not invested in an external social management, social media team or, or consultant. We just started doing and it just had this massive flow on. Now that was quite a few years ago. So that was sort of like, whoa. This is really, really powerful. So that's the story of what's next, and you know, they they still to this day, we still have Twitter time, we still all the same things, all have KPIs. Okay. So
0: that hasn't changed.
1: That hasn't changed, and what's been interesting is that every single person that's come into our business has learnt about social media. So you, you can imagine someone is going goes through college to be a HR professional, and then they. Get a job, and one of their major KPIs is to be on social, social media. media. Yeah, so that that was very interesting for clients and the community and external companies to go. One, you're a HR company where most HR people are trying to are writing policies about how do we get our staff off social media. Mm-hmm. So then I was be able to talk in the media about the fact that we are trying to get. I'm actually getting cross at my staff if they're not on social media and we're in an industry where my competitors are writing policies to get staff off social media. Complete
0: 180 from the norm.
1: Complete 180, particularly in our industry. And I was like, you people do not understand the opportunity. If you have a 50 person office, you have a 50 person marketing team and, and you're paying recruitment fees when you might not need to. You're paying you know, advertising or whatever it may be. Um, and it's engaging. And, and you know, if you've got a team of millennials, like this is even better. Like people were so caught up in my space around, we have to get people off social media in the workplace. And for us to be doing the opposite was was quite it Was the goal
0: of all these other companies to get them off social media because they're on there wasting time?
1: Well, that's, I mean, that was the- Was that the, is that, that the logic? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that's what people think. Okay. It's like, oh, you're on Facebook, you're on work time. And so we were like, no, like, you know, let's, let's stop focusing on telling people what they shouldn't do and creating policies around stopping people from doing stuff. And let's actually just put that aside because humans are humans. And really, I mean, gotcha. what's the difference? Okay. Let's look at this opportunity around social. And so at the time it was like, what? What? Hang on a minute. You're promoting staff on social media. You've made it a KPI. Like I remember pulling the team together saying, guys, you're not meeting your social media KPIs. And so people were really particularly interested about And this was, again, another workplace experiment. And so when we recruit people now, we say a percentage of their time is going to be spent on building. And and the thing is, Dean, they get to take that when they leave. They take their Twitter, they take their LinkedIn, they take the knowledge, and they can do what they want with
0: it. So those accounts that they're working on during business hours are their personal accounts just talking about company stuff.
1: Yep. and they get to take that. I think some we've had some people um, that have said, "I'm not going to do Twitter when I leave." So, do you want to take it over and okay. keep all the followers and all that sort of stuff? Which sure. has been great. But we've always said this is building your own personal brand just as much as it's building ours. So, you take this with you and all the knowledge. And some have continued on with it, and some haven't.
0: It's exactly what we're looking to build here uh, in the real estate office: is is how to celebrityize each of our individual team members, employees, staff, to celebritize themselves to the level that they're comfortable doing it, but pushing those who aren't comfortable to say, there's a huge benefit to it. Uh, And at the same time, you own this, the database you build as a result of using our tools and systems. Yes, you're not gonna have a custom page on DeanMillerRealEstate.com anymore. Yes. But we'll set it up for you in a way that you're gonna build your list, build your audience, And if you want us to help you build that system for it as well, you own that, not us. Um, I I think it's one of the things that differentiates us as a real estate brokerage in that all the leads don't have to flow through the broker to the agents. It works the other way around. I think that's why we're having success making noise because we are different in the sense that we have a different understanding as to what building an audience is all about. It's not about you know, like I said the other day, the red, white, and blue balloon, or the gold jacket, or the or the rock—it's it, about that agent. Um,
1: yeah, and I think that that's a moving from a scarcity to an abundance mentality, yeah. and it works. I mean, it really works. And yeah, it's hard. It's hard to let go of that stuff. But I was going to say, in relation to my personal social media, um, I, I thought a lot about this, and there's, I thought about you know what what what's the purpose, and and the, with the vlog. A lot of people have said to me, what's the return on the, invest- on the investment, right? Heaps of people have said. What's we it we hear it
0: every day. Why are you doing that? Yeah.
1: Where's the ROI? How much does it cost you? How, how many clients have you won? It's like, I, nothing. Like I've got no return on investment other than I have because I've built amazing relationships and I'm learning a lot and all those things. But as far as what they think, yeah. have you won any clients? And it was never about that. So I I believe that there'll be enormous return on investment. As an entrepreneur, long term, whether that be around opportunities to speak, whether it be opportunities to invest in businesses, to advise, to whatever, um, so I, I think, and I think every single entrepreneur, CEO, business owner should be building a personal brand. Yeah. And I think it's going to take five years for me to know what really how it all pay, you know, plays yeah. out. Um, and so it is one of those things where it's an investment up front. But what I've what I've noticed. And when I was at the four Ds reunion the other day and someone who just, who'd actually just did theirs the day before. And he said, "Um, what's your return been? And I said, I don't know. And he said, what do you mean you don't know? And I said, well, I just, I'm just doing, I'm learning, I'm just doing. And that's my, and he said, what's your number one goal? And I said, to just keep putting content out there because every time we do a vlog, every time we film, every time we edit, I learn something. I learn about what am I trying to do here, or and does that even matter? Yes, it matters. No, it doesn't matter. Um, what what could this be? What's resonating? Like the stuff that resonates is always different to what I expected. How I feel about it has has different to what I originally expected. The whole process is yeah. it just an incredible learning. It's eye opening. It's really eye opening. You learn. It, it's it's an incredible thing, and I am such I am such a believer in the vlog vlogging what you're doing and and i particularly am interested in i think there's enormous opportunity for those people that are in really boring industries to be vlogging yeah because there is something really interesting about in, in within the boring
0: on the other side of the wall from us i have all my infographics and my my business charts and our six step buyer system our seven step seller our eight step agent Uh, and what I refer to as our Parthenon, which is my entrepreneur, manager, technician definitions. Um, and I, I look at those things and I say, those are the things we're going to start sharing publicly with everyone. Uh, most of which are already, already out there, but this is who we are, what we do, why we do it, how we do it. That's for us to do. You know, I can't give everything away and expect to make a living, put food on the table. Um, but if you want to learn how come to us and, and I, I, that's a big, you know, I, I think that with the vlog, and like you said, so much of it, at least perception wise for us who are the 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 vlog-ees or whatever the hell you want to call us, um, is boring. And and yes. I it's why I said to Corey last night and I said today, I'm gonna get on that phone and I'm gonna be on that coaching call for an hour and a half and I'm gonna do paperwork for an hour and a half today. And maybe it's time to start saying, Hey, this is we'll look at the camera and say, This is what I'm doing, have the brilliance of the editors go in there and say you know here's the running clock and time lapse and we spent 45 minutes doing paperwork happy happy joy but
1: yeah.
0: it, it 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 you have to show the dirt i agree you know we, we i i think as as vloggers you know, gary lives a life where he's always on the run and probably 80% of his day and i i may be exaggerating i may be underestimating is spent having conversations that people could look at as being engaging opportunities to learn from other people yes you don't see a guy like Gary sitting down in a corner at a desk doing paperwork for four hours, No, but it's a necessary part of building a business. He's built it up to the point where he no longer has to be the one doing that because he's not the one best suited to do it. But right now there are days where I'm a company of one person, you know, I've got Corey here as well, but he's got a very different job. I've got salespeople, but they have a very different job. It's my job to be the visionary and and the implementer of all these. And it's why so many people around me have yelled at me saying, you need to get a business partner who can do the work. Mm. Meaning you can come up with the vision. You can come up with the strategy. You can build it all out. Or, or you can conceptualize how to build it all out. But getting in that database and building out that campaign is not the best use of your time. Mm. And if you find the person who's genius at it, and I think some of the people who are telling me to do that want to be that person and get yeah, but I'm not giving up half of what I've worked for for 22 years. Um, again, hey, Corey will be happy. to a rabbit hole. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> right, back, back up, back up. Um,
1: what I was going to say about um, watching Gary is interesting because I found that, so I was, you know, watching all of you. I know, consume a lot of his content. But when I started vlogging and I was trying to get, you know, better education around how, like what should be in the vlog or how best to represent it, then he he was no longer the best person to watch because 80% of his day is actually very right. interesting. And so I was like, well, I, you know, I'm not walking down the street and having 10 people come up, want selfies, right, selfies. or asking me stuff. And so maybe like, Ten percent of my day is actually interesting. So I then went, okay. So who who do I then look at? So I, I started to look more at Ryan Serhan around his stuff okay. because I was seeing more of him on the job, like him actually doing the doing the actual work. And um, so then I started to look a little bit more at that. But I think depending on where you're at will dep- depend on who who you should watch to get inspiration. That's most like most like where you're at. Okay. Um, so now with Gary, it's like, well, you know, he's doing keynotes all the time. Yeah. He's flying around. And it's like, it's cool stuff, but I just, I just don't have that yeah. hey, content.
0: It, it goes back to what he started saying years ago is don't watch my content. Watch what I do. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think th- this goes back to a question I wrote earlier. Who do you choose to follow and why?
1: Yeah. So um, I follow Tom Bilyeu
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the reason so I, I love his impact theory. Um, I I really love the people that he finds. Um, I love the fact that he's so open with saying that his goal is to live forever. And the fact that that is so ridiculous in a sense, and he says it so like, this is what I'm working to, like, this is what I'm doing. I'm mm-hmm. going to work on how do I live forever. And I think, gosh, that takes such guts to say something that er- everyone could say you're a nutcase, like what? I mean, why would you even say that?
0: What's wrong with being a nutcase?
1: Totally, and I, I just love his his gumption around that, and also, um, and he, I, I, he's introduced me through impact theory to so many stories and learnings and people that I would never ever have known about. And he has an incredible way of bringing stories out of people that that unless you're in, have an interest in that particular field, you may never have known. So I really love his stuff and he's getting more and more vocal about, you know, the reality of entrepreneurship and chasing your dreams and all those sorts of things. I really like him. Obviously I follow Gary, um, with everything he does and, and, um, D Rock and and I'm you know I'm particularly interested in the in the VaynerMedia team and and I'll go back to when you were talking at the very beginning about um, 4ds and how you get to connect with the people behind the scenes and we are I, I mean I know we all feel like we are part of the Vayner family yep. and um, even though we don't actually we're not actually employed by them we're all one and one of the things that I found is that everyone there is so um, like such an incredible person. They want to help you. They'll do anything for you. They're really smart. They're experimenting. They're learning on the job and then sharing it. And so the the entire team is just, you know, whether it be from Claude. I I was just going to say, I know you,
0: I know you have a a tight relationship and affinity with Claude and and I I've, I've been analyzed in her office two or three times as well. And she, and she's gone out of her way. You know, the first time I asked for her time, she was very giving of it. <clears throat> and out of respect for her, I kind of treated it like going to the psychologist's office. We had an hour booked. They said, all right, at 52 minutes, I'm out of here because uh, I don't want to overstep my bounds. And she actually kept me a little over an hour um, and pushed off her next meeting and finished by saying, you need to go do a, B and C. But don't just go do it. Here's the deadline. Can you achieve these things by this date? And I said, I believe I can. She's terrific. You'll be in my office the next day." And she literally booked an appointment with me to come back, and we talked about so many things. And what I, what I really loved in my conversations with her was we talked so much about servant leadership. Yeah, And Claude is, Claude is a brilliant human being. Um, She's a unicorn. She yeah. Thank you. you. You you just nailed it. She she really everything about her is yeah. You know she she's kind and caring. She listens. Uh, we need you know, and and she's a unique personality as well. You yeah. know her backstory is yeah. is so quirky and weird and interesting. Yeah. And you know now she's a mom and yeah. It, it, She's fast. More people need to pay attention to people like Claude. I mean, Um,
1: she's only doing good in the world. I mean, and and that's you
0: know she 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 epitomizes the get out of bed in the morning to make a difference mindset. Yeah, in every in every whether it's getting up to feed the baby or to spend time with her, you know, with with her wife or or to come into the office and hug every single employee who needs a hug. She's she's absolutely that entire company is incredible. Uh, and, and I I have such respect for what they've built as a group because yes, his name is on the door, but similar to what I'm trying to do here, the victories come from all all the people whose names aren't on the door.
1: Yeah. Um, And I think that people that, you know, don't really get him would find it very hard to believe that, you know, there's a thousand people team um, and they, every single one I have met, every single one, I have by no means met all of them, every single one has been incredible and i i think you know there's there's just some there's something quite yeah. quite interesting about that but one of the things i was going to say about following with this whole idea of like starting from scratch and following again how i've looked at it is and nick actually he talked about this in his blog but i have been thinking about this a lot it's like okay so who are the what are the funnies like what are the ones that i want to follow purely for entertainment that okay. made me laugh or that say sarcastic quotes or like that are good, And then it's like, who of my friends, my friends, as in not related to my network, but that I want to stay connected to, um, who inspires me that I learn a lot from, like the Tom Bilyeu's and the Gary V's, um, who in my broader network do I want to keep connected to so I can support and cheerlead and encourage and we can go through this together.
0: That's more of a giving thing than a receiving thing. I'm I'm listening to your balance of. of Yeah.
1: Like it's more of like, it's more like, you know, I want to keep, I want to keep track of what they're doing to, to keep cheerleading them on. We're going, we're actually going through this together. It's like all of us in 40s. I feel like, you know, with Ian and you and me and Nick um, and Ed, we're sort of, we're all going through it together and, um, and we're learning from each other. And that's, but looking at grouping, what am I? And so then I can go, that's for pure entertainment sit back, enjoy, and do nothing and laugh. This is for, you need, this is inspiration. You need to do something with this. This is, you know, these are the people you're cheerleading. These are your just connection, you know, like keep connected to your best friend type Mm -hmm. thing. Um, So I've been thinking about this whole concept of who am I following for what and what bucket, and so that I'm really clear on making everything I'm doing on there my, my time intentional. And and just relaxing and laughing is, is just inten- just as intentional as doing something. In-
0: Have you ever found yourself in a position where you become one of the lurkers? Have you followed people for the sake of saying, I need to know what they're doing so I could either be better at it than them or I'm curious or I want to steal that idea?
1: So what I I found- think a lot
0: of that exists.
1: Oh, I mean- Heap, heap of that exists. And I think it's quite interesting when, like, I've had people contact me out of the blue that I don't know. They've never liked anything. I didn't know they exist and then they'd write and say, so I follow all of your stuff and, you know, this, and you think you've been in the background. You've never yeah. even liked Who one are thing. You? You like, know- and it's like you're sending me something really nice and I really appreciate it, but that's weird, yeah. <laughs> you know. And and so I like to be quite active. But I found that, I, that when all of this happened and I decided to make the decision to do this, I knew that there were a couple of accounts that I was following that was not for good intention or was just like, I knew it made me feel yuck or, and that I was looking to see something that wasn't making me feel good. And I, and I just was like, and it was
0: just voyeuristic.
1: Yeah. Yes. And not in a, like, it was just not helpful. And also it wasn't, I was like, this isn't helping me. It makes me feel annoyed every time. It was like, I was like, I'm going on to have another look to see how much it still annoys me. And so yeah. this is not good for me. And it's actually not good vibes to them either. Because I believe that we, you know, even in our thoughts, we are putting, you know, it to someone that could be on the other side of the world, for example. Um, and so I don't, I, I've never, I, I mean, I've always been very active in social, so I don't, would never c- consider myself to be one of those people voyeurist people or um, lurking on social because it's just I've chose to engage but I certainly noticed in this whole process that, that of the ones where I was like this doesn't make me feel good yeah, but feel- I keep but I'm still doing it even though I know it's not making me feel good.
0: You feel like you, you feel dirty after yeah, you look. I'm just like why, <laughs> is why did wrong I want to why
1: did I want to look and see how much they're a train wreck in their life like this is this was the example like i felt like someone was making a train wreck of, out of their yeah. life and they were showing it on social media and the fact that i wanted to see it i was like that's shitty like why i don't i it's feel it's a car
0: accident we all stop to look yeah. even though we know we just, there's I, nothing we can do to have an impact on it
1: i don't want to be that and i it made me think about why am i doing that and i and i i'm always a big believer that if i'm ever in a position where i'm judging someone all it's doing is telling me that there's something going on for me that I'm not happy with. There's an insecurity that I'm feeling. Like any time there's a judgment of someone else, I go, "I'm judging them right now." So why are they pushing my buttons because it's all about me? Yeah. So I'm feeling insecure. Goes back to
0: our conversation an hour ago.
1: Yeah, so I so I didn't like the fact that I was like, "Why am I watch why am I liking that I'm that why am why do I keep going back to look at their train wreck? That what is that saying about how I'm feeling about yeah. me?" Yeah. And um and so that's why I say this whole thing about yes, I've unfollowed everyone on Instagram, but really this is about a constant check-in with myself about my goal is to be the best possible entrepreneur, mom, person that I can be by no means perfect because I want to try everything. So I'm gonna fail consistently or I'm gonna stuff up or make mistakes and say the wrong thing or hurt someone or whatever. But none of it, my my goal is to be the best I can be intention and with great intentions and but if you wanna really get on the on the court of life, you're going to fuck up and you're going to hurt people or you might, you know, make a mistake yep. that's not right. But if the intentions are good, but otherwise you can sit on the sidelines and you can point your finger at everyone else and say how everyone else is, is doing the wrong thing. And you're not because you're not doing anything. I don't yeah. want to be that person. So I now I'm very much like, how do I be the best mum, the best person, the best entrepreneur, but at the same time, be totally okay with myself for getting it wrong. And being able to say sorry, whether that to be to me or someone else,
0: it's becoming cliche. But it's more the process is more the process and the journey are always going to be more important than, than the destination. I think more and more
1: so much that
0: more and more that is becoming the reality for the majority of people.
1: And which is why we need to not be so critical of others yeah. and and be forgiving. You know, like yeah. we we are all just trying to get through, and we would all like you know in in my space of working in workplaces, we have dealt with. We've done so many mediations and issues with workplace conflict, like thousands of them. And never once have I gone into a workplace conflict situation where someone has deliberately tried to upset someone else deliberate, like p- for the one reason of I'm going to ruin your day, Right. for no other reason other than to ruin your day. It's never the case. It's always because, you know, I'm threatened because you're going to get the promotion or I've got stuff going on at home. And yes, the behavior is not how we should behave, but it's never because someone's deliberately trying to hurt right. someone else. So let's all realize that if we can just be a bit more forgiving and realize that we're not perfect and that when that person pulls out in front of you, you know, perhaps don't smash them because have you ever accidentally pulled out in front of someone? I have, yeah. you know, and like, I think if we can just be a bit more like, well, we're all just human trying to do our best. And there's not that many out there that are deliberately trying to upset us.
0: We talk about core values and, and it's something that I work on regularly where I'm actually in the process of, of reanalyzing our core values uh, and open-minded is probably one of the things that shows up no matter what level of the conversation with someone else or in my own head keeps coming up is that Mm -hmm. open-minded coachable um, you know, you've, you've got to be a good person. And I think being a good person starts with being open-minded.
1: Yeah. And also, I I mean, I I love that. I love that being open-minded and I really like that quote that comes up all the time was like, be kind because you just don't know what's going on in someone's life. You know, you just, you just don't. And when that, when that person like step, like is rude to you in the line, you know, what happened this morning for them? You just don't know, like just forgive and be kind. We just don't know. Last what's going Wednesday
0: on. I was asked to do um, kind of a business analysis coaching session for an agent who I met at a speaking engagement that I did the week before. Uh, and i very openly said, I'm more than happy to give you my time. This is the window that's available. If you want it, you could have any part or all of it. And I put it out there to a couple other people that this is what I'm going to be doing. And one of my agents came in as well. And we were talking and going through all of it. And we we were talking about open, open open-minded and damn, I just fell down the rabbit hole again. That's twice at least. (laughs) Uh, But you know, we we were talking about open-minded and, I completely lost my train of. Th- I got so, so being deep,
1: kind, you don't know what's going. I got on so either.
0: deep in the moment of analyzing what he and I were talking about that I completely lost track. Uh, but the, you know, the, all right. So the guy asked for my time, and like, who am I to give that kind of guidance and advice? But he came to me, and it it was you, you had to you, you do what you have to do because it's the right thing, and you know. Not to steal more lines that everyone thinks of Gary's because they came around long before him, but doing the right thing is always the right thing. But where the hell somebody in this room's got to be able to help me figure out where the hell I was going with that? None of you. God
1: damn it. No one's really listening to you. Dan. I
0: I got news for you. Apparently, neither am I.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, can go get that bottle of bourbon? We can finish that thing. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. I'm. I'm overthinking so much that I'm losing track. I want to do this again with you in a couple of weeks uh, and we got to figure it out because I, I think there's incredible insight and opportunity that we can not only bring to each other's audiences, uh, but to bigger and better ones as well. Uh, and I would love this to be a social experiment. I, I've got some ideas and I'll run them by you before, or maybe I'll just do it and then let you know what happened. That might be a better way to do it. Um, so I can't thank you enough for for making the schlep from Australia to, to beautiful <laughs> Wontal, Long Island <laughs> or from the city for that matter. You know, it's a uh, uh,
1: 36 hours door to door from my apartment here to my home in Australia. It's 36 hours door
0: to door. So you give up a day and a half of your life all the time just to commute. That's not, that's not bad. You probably get about an hour and a half's worth the work done (laughs) (laughs) listen i i i'm I'm so happy that you came to do this i'm so glad that we had the opportunity to meet and, and to evolve this this connection and this relationship being part of that that community um you're an incredible person to watch i greatly appreciate what you're doing um where can people learn more about who you are and what you do and and not to tamper the whole point of the conversation, but who's your ideal client? Who, who can, who, who are you? Who needs to hire you? Yeah, let's, sure. let's give you an opportunity to pitch a little bit.
1: Ah, uh, thank you. Well, the key things I'm focusing on at the moment. So the first place they can find me is on YouTube. Sell so Watts and watch S
0: S E L W A T T S.
1: That's right. And because I, you know, that's where I'm really wanting to share my story through my vlog okay um but there's also the the business website so there's what's au, which is w a t t s n e x t.com.au there's suellenwatts.com um which is probably the best one to go to because it it refers to all the businesses and and my speaking and the things that I'm Different your personal
0: personal brand page yeah
1: so that that sort of will then direct you wherever and you
0: want to go we'll we'll get all these and link them up but oh, I, wanted, I you. wanted you to share it
1: but the people that the the key things that I'm looking for at the moment is I want to speak more to small to medium business owners I want to talk more about chasing dreams taking risks um the reality of entrepreneurship um sh- share the that you know it's never too late to do something completely different I was I had got myself in a Pretty safe, comfortable, very nice life um, the last few years, and then decided to sort of go for it again. and And there's a whole lot of things that come with that. So, um, I want to share more of that story. And as far as clients goes, small to medium business owners with anything starting at ten staff upwards, um, anywhere around the world, is uh, is who I want to be talking to. Okay.
0: As far as the speaking goes, clarify for me, are you looking to get into companies' offices to meet with them in a small group or are you looking to get on stage in front of dozens, hundreds, thousands?
1: Massive, big, big, big ones. We're
0: going to drop you from the big, the jumbotron at Madison square garden to center ice yeah. and let you go from there.
1: Exactly. Like Stay. I want to come down like <laughs> yeah. pink. Yeah. That's what, I, I'm, that's yeah. what I'm thinking.
0: I was, see, I, again, I was going more <laughs> old school. I saw ACDC uh, there and Angus came out on this giant bell that swung across the entire ice from goal line <laughs> to goal line. That's the way to make an, an entrance. But yes, I completely agree with yeah. you with pink. She, the woman knows how to make an entrance. She that's does. for sure.
1: So if we could arrange something like
0: that, we can get Angus to play for pink and they could open for you. Uh, <laughs> How's that sound? Yes,
1: so, this listen, is the goal. We'll if put it if out anybody
0: there. out there is listening, you know, you, you never know. All it takes is one. Totally. So I want to thank you so much for doing this. You are, I, I'm blessed to be able to call you a friend. I appreciate your your willingness to share your kindness, all the good things that you bring to the table. And I appreciate that feisty attitude that you bring to it as well. Um, you know, when I, 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 I try to surround myself with talented, smart people in business, Um, and again, not to come across as chauvinistic, but when I see you sit down there, there's a hashtag that another friend of mine uses all the time, boss babe. And I, I truly believe that you are the epitome of how, what I understand that to be. Um, I, I, I'm here as a resource for you. If there's ever anything we can do to be of value to, you know, how to find me, you've got the bad phone number, uh, please do it And, and just keep doing what you're doing and doing the great work and, and let us know what we can do to be of more help to you.
1: Thanks, man. You're All the right. best. Thank you. Everybody,
0: thanks so much for tuning in. This was a long one. Like I said, I apologize for the rabbit hole situations. We'll, we'll do some brilliant editing to clean that up. Um, but tune in. And as always, if you like what we're doing, the likes, the comments, the subscriptions, the reviews are the lifeblood of what we can do to bring more of this great content to you. Let us know who you'd like to have us interview. And as always, go make it a great day. Thanks so much for tuning in.